everybody and welcome to Half the Brain, the wrestling podcast that has half the brain you do and half the facts you do. Um, welcome to the first episode. Uh, welcome inside the Brain Trust. Um, where we're all uh, big wrestling fans here. Uh, this is a roundtable discussion podcast about wrestling with, uh, at the moment, two idiots who love wrestling. Uh, um, my name is Danny Barrett. Uh, I'm a, a, a wrestling fan for over 32 years now, uh, from the world of sport to WWE, uh, WCW to TNA, and on to AEW. I'm a fan of wrestling, uh, but most importantly, I'm a fan of the stupidity of wrestling. So please join me and my good friends in the Brain Trust as we discuss wrestling topics in a more light-hearted manner. Uh, joining us on the inaugural edition of Half the Brain is uh, my good friend Niall, a.k.a. Ferry Tunk. How are we doing, big boy? How are we doing? You all right, love? Good evening. Good evening, okay. Dirty Easy. Delighted <laughs> to be here. Danny Barrett, a.k.a. Evil Baz, a.k.a. Dirty Easy. Um, joining you from the Brain Trust here. I'll be taking the minutes from tonight's uh, Brain Trust meeting. Um, and But, uh, yeah. Uh, so, Niall, give us a match or a pay-per-view or a promo you've watched this week. Oh, this week. Uh, well, a lot's been said about John Cena coming back to Friday Night Smackdown. Did you see him? Um, I didn't see him. <laughs> I looked everywhere. I looked everywhere. Couldn't see him. Um, controversial as it might be, I think probably in the latest stage of his, his career, I've become a bit more of a fan of Cena. Yes, I'll, I'll like, join you on that. Yeah, at the height of his powers, like the infamous. Um, Nexus run where he single-handedly destroyed Nexus. like six months worth of storylines. Yeah, in a, in a single swoop. Um, I think, yeah, the last promo that I watched was it was the WrestleMania with Cena versus Rock, one time only, for the second time. <laughs> um, and they had that little weird beef going with the CM Punk. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that probably started CM Punk's decline mm. in terms of, you know, he was riding high. He had a great championship run. You, of course, you had the summer of Punk going on. And then The Rock decides, fancy another crack at the belt, lads. Pass it here. Come on. Give it to Big Daddy Rock. <laughs> but, yeah, I've just been watching a couple of promos from that era and... Um, I think you got three of the best mic workers in the last 10, 15 years on there. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, but that also made me think back to a time as well when promos were a lot looser and not so tightly scripted. Like, yeah. For example, the, the promo that launched like 10 million t shirts. You talk about your John's 316. Austin 316 says, I just whooped your ass. One, one of the best promos of all time. Uh, the, the 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 best thing about it is everyone carrying out Jake the Snake Roberts from the ring and whilst they're doing it and you have to watch Jake the Snake slowly go up the aisle <laughs> Stone Cold berates him <laughs> brilliant stuff brilliant stuff but yeah so I, I mean uh, in terms of what I've watched this week um, I oh ooh, I've not thought about this to be fair um, I've <laughs> I, I haven't. I've been. I've been watching. You asked the question. I know. I know. I know. I have, I have watched a lot of stuff though, so I'm trying to think of one. Uh, oh, I tell you what. Um, 
Blah, blah, blah. Halloween Havoc, 1993. Uh, British Bulldog versus William Regal. What a match that is, by the way. Um, it's a uh, time limit draw. Just a time limit draw. And it's for the TV title. Uh, but yeah, brilliant match. I think uh, I think it's that main event is like one of the first hardcore matches as well, is uh, Vader versus Cactus Jack. Yes. Uh, yeah, and it's like, it's, it's a brutal match. Um, and I think it's one of the main reasons Mick Foley got fired from WCW. He likes to say it was because he spat on the belt in ECW, but I think really when it gets down to it, it was because Eric Bischoff was a bit pissed off and didn't really know what to do with him. <laughs> yeah. And uh, his career went from strength to strength after that, right? Really. Exactly, it did, yeah, yeah. Rock on, Mick Foley. <laughs> Right. We're just going back to uh, <laughs> Davy Boy Smith for a minute. Um, oh, yeah. I think the last full match I watched, which is quite a while ago, was the main event from SummerSlam 1992. I was there live. I mean, I've seen the price of the tickets for that. It was something like 13 quid. Yeah, I, I, my dad got them me for my birthday, and I think he spent a total of about 20 pounds on the tickets. Because <laughs> yeah. like, I, I saw it on telly at the time. And then years later, you know, when you sort of peek behind the curtain. Yeah. And it's like, oh, David Boy Smith wrestled that entire match on crack. And I'm like, really? Really? And you watch it back and you're still like, I can see Brett leading a lot. Yeah. But really? Crack? Come on, Brett. Really? Crack your chain? Honestly? Maybe it was different in the 90s. (laughs) Yeah. Maybe, you know, crack out with the wrestling. I mean, I, I don't doubt he was on something. Crack. I, I, I don't think it was that, but uh, yeah, uh, maybe maybe Coke, but not crack. I think he's got mm. his C's mixed up there uh, on that one. But yeah, I was there live. My dad, still to this day, asks me how Nails is doing. Um, oh. Yeah, Nails was oh, his great. favorite wrestler. I, like My dad has no interest in wrestling whatsoever, but I was 10 years, it was, it was for my birthday. I was 10 years old and he took me to uh, Wembley. Uh, to, and that's the only time I ever got to the old Wembley. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> um, so yeah, he took me. He took me to some some night too, and we uh, uh, and to this day, yeah, he still asks, "How's that prisoner doing? Is that prisoner guy still in it?" Nails. <laughs> no, you know he had a fight with Vince McMahon in the shower and left in a disgrace. <laughs> Good old Vince. Did you hear he wants to come back? Yes. Yes. He does, and he still is working out in Titan Towers, apparently. Can you Flexing imagine that Christmas, though, at the McMahon Helms house? Oh, God, yeah, that'd be a bit awkward, wouldn't it? Yeah. Can I come back yet? <laughs> no. What about now? No. But why? Is Linda there as well? Because if Linda's there, that's even more awkward, because he, I think on that Pat McAfee show interview he did, he let Swip, like, he said, my former wife or... Uh, something like that, and so that means that are they them two not together anymore? I don't, I don't I've, know. I've got visions of her just sitting in a side room in Connecticut, like you know, remember when she was in the wheelchair? Like She's still in that wheelchair. <laughs> I mean, that was a high level Oscar quality acting from our Linda there, definitely, definitely. <laughs> Oh, well, no, he, should, he should never be allowed back, ever. No, 
No, uh, but he'll find a way back. I mean, I think he's still majority shareholder, really, at the end of the day, isn't he? So he can he could he could effect, you know effectively come back tomorrow if he wanted to. Um, but I I think a lot of people will will, will have a say in that uh, shareholders etc. Um, so yeah. God but, damn it, Stephanie! It's been three months. God damn it! He's chewing water at home. <laughs> He's, he's a funny I, guy, though. I am obsessed with the way he drinks water from the bottle in uh, Beyond the Map. That, that, uh, when he's uh, he's interviewing Puke, and he's draws, yeah. and he's just chews water out the bottle. What's going on there, Vince? Come on, <laughs> I love that scene where he's like, He's gonna, oh my god, he's gonna, he's gonna puke. Oh, he's, he's gonna puke. Amazing film. Amazing film. I quote that, I think, on a daily basis, you know. Uh, I've not been booked. I can't do that. I've not been booked. <laughs> I think that was the first, like, real kayfabe breaker as well, wasn't it? Uh, it definitely was for me. Uh, real, real, like, shattering behind the scenes sort of thing. Yeah, definitely. Um, obviously, my mum and dad both work. Well, obviously, I'm saying that. Uh, my mum and dad both work... Uh, for the NHS or did well work for the NHS. So having two sort of medical people uh around whilst people are sort of wrestling um isn't the best sometimes. They point out like, well, you know, it, it, watching wrestling with my dad is like watching it with JR, you know, he's like, oh he's got 10 punches in the corner. What's that gonna do? Where are the bruises? <laughs> I think like when I first saw that. It probably was just a couple of years after it came out, but after the whole Mick Foley bit, I hated The Rock. I think Mick hated The Rock for a while as well. Well, there's there's been sort of like I think in his book he says that The Rock didn't come to see him afterwards, mm. and then in that uh, there's a, a bit of an animosity. I think he's having a go at The Rock in Beyond the Matter in one scene. I think uh, if I remember right, but uh, yeah, there was. I think, but he, uh, no. He's clearly made up or he's clearly forgotten about it at some point because, you know, he knows that the Rock and Sock have a connection. And exactly. uh, the the money that them two probably make together, you know, they're in one of the highest rated TV segments of all time, aren't they? You know? so, it's uh, still always going to be a, an iconic image as well, isn't it? Foley walking backstage with Colette, um, Noel and Dewey. Just like covered in fucking blood. Blood, yeah. I mean, that scene from that, the beyond the mat with the kids, it's just brutal to watch the, yeah. the, the way they've spliced it together. Almost, you know, it's just oh, brutal. Yeah. <laughs> like Noel absolutely screaming and dude's like, oh, I'm not enjoying this, man. <laughs> can we can we go now? She she doesn't seem to be enjoying it in the slightest either. His wife, uh, so <laughs> I love that bit as well in in Foley's book um, about the uh, Hell in a Cell match when he's backstage. And he turns around and says to Taker, he's like, Taker, did we use the thumbtacks? And Taker's like, look at your arm, Mick. He's like, oh, shit, yeah. I think there's a bit where he says, uh, Terry Funk was in the ring. I turned around, I turned back around, and it was just Terry Funk's shoes were in the ring. And I didn't know what had happened for a moment. I didn't know where Terry Funk had gone. It's weird though that they obviously they're both known for that style of absolutely chaotic, almost Japanese type death matches. But 
if you watch Japanese deathmatch stuff and then put it next to even the ECW, it just looks like the ECW slash WWS stuff just looks so lame in comparison. It's like, let's have a fire around the ring. When someone gets too close, we'll turn up the gas. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think it was it War that uh, mainly did the, the 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 Japanese hardcore stuff. Oh, my God. I, I think I got, I, well, yeah, I did. I got suspended for school for a week. Um for bringing in a Japanese deathcore match video, uh, there was a, I can't remember the name of the guy. Uh, he's got bleached blonde hair and a beard, um, and he fought a guy called Kendo Nagasaki, the Japanese version, uh, a lot. Uh, Mitsuro Nagas, something like I'm forgetting his name at the moment, but it was a compilation tape of his videos, and it was like you know, Piranha barbed wire deathmatch, and uh, Texas desert match with uh, a, 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 a tank of scorpions in the middle of the ring and you had to put your opponent in there. Just full of stuff like that, you know. And he, he was being interviewed by crocodiles in between, which made it even crazier. I, I think the, the teachers at my school were just like, what is going on with this boy? We need to get him <laughs> out of here for a week or two. <laughs> yeah. It's, oh, I know... I, like some of my wrestling friends, they they draw the line at that kind of thing. Like yeah. it's not something that I can get really into, oh. but like occasion when you get those those mad legendary promos, like um, John Zandig, for example. Jesus, that one. What the fuck just happened? What? <laughs> yes. Yeah. To be fair, yeah, it's. Uh... Those kind of promos are always good, but uh, CZW was never my thing. No. I'm more, I went more Shakara, uh, really, from my sort of indie thing, just because I prefer the stupider side of things. Now, I think that's was it um, Shakara that Chuck Taylor did the hand grenading? Yes, yes, yeah, and uh, yeah, all the slow motion wrestling, uh, the 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 hand grenade, yeah, um, the uh, uh, Osiris cult doing the dancing and, and, and stuff like that. That was all in Shikari, yeah. Um People like Orange Cassidy came from there and, and, and stuff like that. So, yeah, it, for me, Shikari was the, the, the best indies, really, to be fair. Especially when um, Claudio was in there, Claudio Castagnoli, and, you know, um, he was with Chris Hero and they were the kings of wrestling. That, those were, they were a brilliant tag team. Um, and Shikara just had the, the trios uh, tournament every year where they'd have, like, you know, a random WWE team. for Like, they had, you know, Demolition, all three of them. <laughs> you know, or uh, X... Uh, I think Sean Waltman... Please tell me they're still not wearing the gear. Oh, they were, I think. They were, yeah, oh, yeah. Nice. We're Demolition! <laughs> <laughs> We look like we've just been up dogging. <laughs> Grim. Very, very, very. Um, right, are we gonna have a are we gonna have a song of the month? Shall we pick a song of the month? Yes, let's. Yes, let's. Okay. Seeing as this is the first one, um, let's pick the Crash Mats and Terry Funk uh as the song of the month this month. Uh, for more information on the crash mats, uh, go to facebook.com forward slash the crash mats. Uh, I'll find them on Spotify. But here is the crash mats with uh, Terry Funk Forever. Oh, 
from the Double Cross Ranch in Amarillo, Texas, weighing 260 pounds. Crash Mats with Terry Funk forever. Uh, that was our song of the month this month. Um, right, let's get into the main topic, the main uh, item on the main agenda this month. Um, <clears throat> how far can you get as a friend of Hulk Hogan in the wrestling business? Now, I've got a list of people here who are friends of Hulk Hogan. And... Uh, we're going to talk about how far they got within their career uh, and how much of it was down to being a friend of Hulk Hogan. Now, yeah, we'll start with the wrestlers. I have got one non-wrestler on this list, uh, but we'll start with the wrestlers. And I think we should start with probably Hulk Hogan's very bestest friend of all time, uh, Ed Edward Harrison Leslie, a.k.a. Brutus the Barber Beefcake, and I could go on here, a.k.a. Uh, Baron Beefcake, a.k.a. Big Brother Booty, a.k.a. The Booty Man, a.k.a. Brother Brutai, a.k.a. Brute Force, a.k.a. The Butcher, a.k.a. The Clip Master. I don't, I don't remember that one. A.k.a. The Disciple, a.k.a. Dizzy Golden, a.k.a. Dizzy Hogan, a.k.a. Ed Boulder, a.k.a. Eddie Golden, Eddie, a.k.a. Eddie Hogan, AKA the Marine. I don't, the Marine. That, that's a departure. Yeah, uh, that is a bit of an odd one. AKA the man with no face. AKA the man with no name. AKA the Zodiac. AKA Edward Harrison Leslie, best friend of Hulk Hogan. Now, as a career, he never had a championship belt, if I'm right. I don't believe he did, no. No, he wasn't tag team champion. Early on with um, uh, Greg the Hammer Valentine, I don't think he was tag team champions. I think I think they fought for the belt at Mania, but I don't think they were ever tag team champions. Um, I could be wrong with that though. He could he could have been a tag team champion actually because I didn't the Bulldogs win it off them. Let me research the man with a million names, <laughs> but no face or uh, or name. Uh, the man with no name. Fuck off, Ed. <laughs> You've got a thousand there, lad. Well, on the Wikipedia, it says uh, Edward Leslie redirects here and Booty Man redirects ah. here. <laughs> Booty Man redirects somewhere else. It's not for Ed Leslie. What? 
Um, yeah, he's a former WWF World Tag Team Champion with Greg Valentine. Ah, there we go, right. That's the only championship he's won, though, isn't it? Yeah, he competed for major singles titles and he headlined uh, Starcade 1994 in a match yep. against his brother. We got no ideas, brother. That's more, sorry, Macho. Yeah, I always slip into Macho when I'm trying to do a, a whole Hogan impression. And uh, I can never get Hogan down, to be fair, <laughs> in my impressions. Brother dude. He, he tagged early on with um, R. Terry, didn't he? He did. He was Ed Boulder yeah. and uh, Hulk was Terry Boulder. Terry Boulder, yeah. And then um, Dizzy Golden and Dizzy Hogan when he when he became Hulk Hogan in the AWA. So he was like with him early on Memphis-wise. Um, oh, I have got some quotations uh, from the man himself, actually, from uh, Mr. Edward Leslie. Let's just uh, get a, a bit of a quote from Ed. Uh, I've known the Hulkster all my life. We're friends. We're brothers from another mother. I mean, closer than brothers. Hulk's the godfather of my daughter. He's been my best friend since the early 70s. He's done a lot for me. I owe him a lot. Too right you do, <laughs> Edward. Too right you do. <laughs> I feel the career that Hulk had and the career that the barber had, Hulk could have thrown him a little bit more. Yeah, they could have got like an IC title run. Yeah. Um, but I think, uh, to be fair, I think nature uh, and, and other causes played a bit of a problem with the, because he got that massive accident where he was on a jet ski and somebody was on a, a paraglide, someone's paraglided, and they basically came down too, too, too close to the ground and, and kneed him in the face, paraglided, and he needed reconstruction surgery on his face. So I think a lot of his career was sort of derailed by that uh, because he had a metal face after that, um, which can, you know, hamper you. And in the wrestling world, we call that a potato. <laughs> <laughs> a potato okay, means you hit someone for real, which is what Triple H and Stone Cold Steve Austin were famous for with each other. <laughs> <laughs> and Japanese, Japan's famous for as well. Hard style, what's it? Uh, what it called? Strong style. Yes. Another quote from the Beefcake. Uh, I'm just happy to have been there at the top and riding the big wave with the Hulkster all these years. But I've just got to say one more thing. It ain't over yet. Well, I'd care to say different uh, beefer, but... <laughs> yeah, the uh, the sands in that particular hourglass are, are, are quite minimal. Uh, ticking away. Ticking away there. Uh, ticking away there, lad. Although if Vince was still in charge, you'd probably book them on like an old school Raw or something. Yeah, yeah, him and uh, him and Terry to win the belts just one yeah. more time. I was. This is an interesting thing though. Hogan's ever only ever won the belt, the tag belt, once with uh, Edge in like two thousand two. Yeah. That's the only time he's been tag team champion, uh, which is a bit bizarre. But then I remember WrestleMania nine. They don't win the belts uh, because they there's a disqualification in there. I think counting yeah. out or something like that. To be, I just uh, this is a controversial statement, but I'm going to say it right now, and we'll probably have a, this debate at some point other time. But WrestleMania Nine, one of the greatest WrestleManias of all time. 
Uh, next on the list. Um, so, sorry, yeah, sorry. Where did we get? So, what do we reckon for Ed Edward Harrison Leslie? Where do we reckon his career? Do we think? Well, he, I think he owes everything to Hogan, doesn't he? Really? I mean, and he never won any championships, but he got to headline a Starcade. He got to ride the coattails of Hogan uh, his entire career. And uh, I think the beefcake, like. The only way I could put it is he was Hogan's less attractive friend. Yeah. He was the... Uh, I can't think of the right words. He was the, the plain one to Hogan's absolute stunner. Yeah. I think he, 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 Hogan used him to emphasise himself a little bit. You know? Because mm. Beefcake was a, was a big guy, but stood next to Hogan... He looks a bit not yeah. as big as Hogan, and he makes Hogan look a lot better standing next to Beefer. Um, yeah. I, I will say, Beefcake is in one of my favorite things of all time. Uh, the lead up to WrestleMania uh, eight, no, yes, eight. Uh, that's uh, Hogan versus Sid, isn't it? Eight, or is that seven? Uh, Ninety two. So it would be eight. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Yeah. It's eight. So um, the lead up to that, where Sid Vicious turns uh, on the Saturday night main event, uh, it's Sid and Hogan in a tag match versus uh, Undertaker, Ric Flair, and the, the 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 drama of Hulk Hogan dragging himself over to tag uh, Sid Vicious, and just as he's about to tag him in, Sid drops down off the ropes off the off the ring and walks away. A beefcake's left there, stood there, and uh, he's wearing the same pair of trainers I had when I was a kid, and that's why it stands in my mind a lot. I think. <laughs> I, I think that, like, that's been done so many times, but I still love it when it happens. When you've got no idea that there's a turn coming, and they go for the tag, and it's like, no. Nope. But the way Sid just drops off the, the the ring is is fantastic. Everything about that is just in my mind. It's absolutely fantastic stuff. <laughs> Right, next up. Um, just hang on a minute, because I think he's saying here I've got four minutes left on this. So we'll start, we'll start, but then we'll have to we'll have to re come into it and whatnot. I need to upgrade to pro zoom. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, next up on the list. Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Now, all the research I've done about Hogan and friends. Hacksaw Jim Duggan's come up a lot uh, as one of Hogan's best friends. Um, and I can sort of see why he came over to WCW when Hogan went. He was one of the WCW uh, buys, I suppose, of the of the early 90s. Uh, and he got the, he was the US title. He got the US title in, in WCW. Um, I mean, later on, they didn't use him as well. Once Hogan went to the NWA, I think a lot of these friends went to the side yeah uh but yeah hacksaw jim duggan i i don't know if being a friend of hogan duggan used that or, or, or that helped duggan in any way to be fair i mean i think in his career in different um promotions he he probably got he definitely got a lot more titles than the beefcake yeah 
Yeah, yeah, um, I think they were probably that close because they were both prime baby faces as well. Yeah. Well, but interestingly, one... both of them never never really had a singles one, a singles title in the WWE. Mm. I mean, I know Duggan got King of the Ring. Yes. And Beefcake, interestingly, got the Barbershop, where yes. one of the best promos of all time, the Rockers breaking up, happened. So, yeah. you know, he, he got things that maybe, you know, other people should have got or would have got at the time. But, you know, looking back at it at the time, they deserved it. Or, or, or it worked well for them both anyway, you know. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't think Duggan really got much in the WWE from Hogan. But going over to WCW was a big, I think, a big thing for him. Definitely. When I was working at the cinema about 20 years ago, a load of my mates at the time, um, a load of my colleagues went to uh, like a, a convention. Yeah. I wanted to go, but I was working. So um, halfway through my shift, I goes and gets my phone from my locker to see it. You've got one voicemail message. I'm like, oh, okay. Opens it up. I heard you been talking crap about me, brother. I was like, fuck. He's like, this is Hacksaw Jim Duggan here. I was like, what have I said? How have you found out? <laughs> he's going to uh, record a voicemail for me, which sadly over the years I've lost. But I know yeah, that absolute fucking pure fear of hearing that unsolicited. Yeah, I'm surprised I'm still here. I'm surprised I didn't have a heart attack. <laughs> That's amazing. That's amazing. I've got... Um... There it is. Picture disc. Picture Holy disc vinyl shit. of, of uh, Hacksaw Jim Duggan. USA. USA. That's incredible. From, yeah, from the uh, for the WWE Superstars album. Uh, Simon Cowell produced. That's the only Simon Cowell record I have in my... Promise. <laughs> 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 I promise. There we go. Lovely stuff. Right, so Axel Jim Duggan, yeah, I, don't, I like to say, I don't think he got much out of Hogan, uh, apart from WCW, and he got a, a good few years, but even at the sort of end of his WCW run, he was what, hardcore champion or TV title uh, champion from yeah. getting out of the rubbish bin? So, I, I mean, think um, yeah, it was more of a professional thing than a, a personal thing. Definitely. Next up, Nasty Boy Nobs. Nasty Boy Brian Nobs. Now, if you're going to be friends with anybody in the wrestling business, would you be friends with Nasty Boy Brian Nobs? <laughs> no, I mean, this one's a surprise, actually, because... This shocks me every time I, I, I think about it or it pops into my head. He was like a main character in Hogan Knows Best. Really? Yeah. Honestly, I, I think, I'm not joking, I think there's one series of it where he's actually in the titles. Holy because, shit. Because there's a lot of him looking after Nick and looking after Brooke or like chaperoning Nick somewhere, taking Brooke somewhere, doing stuff for Hogan. And he is a bit of a, can you go and do this? Can you sort this out? Can you look after this for me? Sort of guy. And I suppose Nobs is like, hell yeah. But, um, Looking back on it now, right, and when she, when you say that and you say Nobs is a good friend of Hogan, right, 
looking back on his WCW run, it makes a lot of sense because he was put in a very prominent position on his own in the hardcore division. And he was on TV a lot. So, yeah. I mean, it, it wasn't right up high on the card, but he had a place and he had a prominent position in that place. So, I mean, I think 98, 99, he's constantly fighting Finley. And at one point, they're sort of dressed like each other and you can't tell Finley and Nobbs apart. It's, it's a bizarre... <laughs> a bizarre time in wrestling. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it's uh, honestly one of... Uh, yeah, like you say, one of the most bizarre relationships I think I've ever... On paper, anyway. But, I mean, did it do anything for his career, though? Like I say, I think it may put him in a prominent position on TV in, uh, in WCW. Um, yeah, I mean, if he got a safe position on the card, yeah, I'd say not necessarily, you know, upper mid card and main event. And it, if it got him on TV a lot, then obviously, you know, it it does well for him kind of financially. Um, yeah. But then to come on to something like Hogan knows best is pretty much. A manservant, yeah, like exactly. Because I don't think Brute. Well, look, thinking back, and I, I don't think Brutus is in it at all very much. Uh, mean Gene's not in it that much. Uh, a Bischoff produces some episodes, and I think was an executive producer on the show. Uh, but yeah, there's there's not many of his. There is there is a few of his wrestling pals in the sort of early bits, but then later on it becomes more about. Brooke and Nick and everybody else and what Linda's doing. Um, but, but yeah, it's uh, it's just, uh, yeah, I don't know if it worked out for Nobs really, but it, uh, in a way it, it did. Um, yeah, it, it's just a bizarre relationship. <laughs> I mean, the whole the whole Hogan knows best thing, I suppose you could probably look at it as Nobs is being really grateful. Yeah, like, you, know, you got me onto this spot on WCW, so I'm yeah. your boy, basically. Basically, yeah, 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 yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll sell you out. I'll, I'll, I'll do what you need to do, in and I'll take care of your, your business. Out. <coughs> I think because XWF, I don't was Hogan involved in the XWF. Uh, I don't think he was, but it, I know Jimmy Hart and Brian Nobbs were, and, and both of them are big Hogan friends. We'll come on to Jimmy in a moment, uh, but. Uh, so yeah, I, perhaps they look after stuff for him business wise and 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 take care of other stuff because he's got the he's got the a shack hasn't he? He's got a, a Hulk Hogan shack in Florida. Yeah, uh, yeah, uh, where you can buy like figures and t-shirts etc. from him. Um, so yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I, that's, uh, that's a crazy one for me, but he, like I say, he's on every he's on every list. You think uh, you, you see about Hulk Hogan friends. Uh, next up, the Earthquake, my favorite wrestler of all time, John Tenter. He is one of my favorite wrestlers of all time, so I should say. Earthquake, apparently him and Hogan, big friends, and I can understand why with this one. Uh, they made money together uh, 1990, uh, SummerSlam, and um, they... You know, did did well together um, as a as a sort of. I think Earthquake was a really good file for Hogan, basically. Wasn't yeah, it? Really. Uh, I think that's then, one of my first memories is um, Hogan spark out, and it's like I think Earthquake had done his finisher on him. Yeah, 
And yeah, it's like, yeah. oh my god, is the Hulkster going to be okay? I was like, holy <laughs> shit, what the fuck's happened here? Is he killed? <laughs> <clears throat> During my transition pay phase, like, well, <clears throat> from World of Sport to WWF at the time, um, I uh, the first things I ever saw of uh, the WWF. Do you remember the, the the cards, the training cards that had the blue border around them? Yes, <laughs> yes, those things. Those that's what the, that was my first introduction to the WWF, and I saw a picture of Earthquake, and I was like instantly like, that dude must be related to Giant Haystacks, and and that and that was and then I started slowly getting into WWF, and for a long while I was thinking when oh when are we going to get Big Daddy versus Hulk Hogan, the match that all the kids want to see. Uh, never, never happened. Never happened, unfortunately. But uh, one day, maybe we'll see that match. <laughs> yeah, Tenta was absolutely brilliant. Though, like I think his son posts quite a lot on Reddit, right? And right. he did like an, uh, an Ask Me Anything a while ago, and some of the stories he told about him, like Tenta was the nicest guy ever. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, there's uh, the Wrestle Crap book. He, uh, if you ever read that, he does the uh, intro, uh, John Tenter. And, uh, um, yeah, lovely man, for by all accounts. And uh, from what he says in that book, he's he's very uh, humble man as well. Uh, he, he knows he got slumbered with, uh, I'm not a man. I'm not a shark. I'm a man. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But, yeah, to go from an earthquake to an avalanche, to a shark. I mean, I think his I think his tag team partner had it worse. A tugboat to a typhoon. To a shock master. <laughs> to a shock master. <laughs> but can we just say the natural disasters? What a tag team they were. Oh, yeah. oh my god, come on. Two big fat lads. Give me that today, somebody. Please, somebody book two big fat lads as a tag team. Oh, I will give you all my money. <laughs> and put the titles on them for like two years straight. Yes, nobody can beat these guys. AEW need to bring in two big fat lads to just be in the tag team division. That would be fantastic. Come on, Tony Khan. Where are you, Tony Khan? Come on, lads. <laughs> well, we know about your list, Tony. We know about your list. <laughs> yeah. Um, he got uh, he got a job in WCW, but and he got put into the um uh, Three Faces of Fear was it with are the uh, what was the what was the name of the, the Dungeon of Doom? Yes, got pointed to the Dungeon of Doom with uh, Kevin Sullivan uh, as the Avalanche, uh, and then was turned into the Shark after he'd fought Hogan and Hogan and beat him. So I think once Hogan had beat him and, and he did had that running WCW, or maybe just the way John Tenter was, he he never asked for anything else. You know, he never he, he was always happy with his place in the card and he had a job and he was maybe he was just happy with that and he didn't want anything else anything more having said that though the kind of person that Hogan is I just feel like Hogan would probably be more likely to take advantage of Tanner yeah yeah rather than you know be actual friends with him mm. but yeah it'd be more of a I can I can yeah I see if I can what I can get from this guy sort of thing. but yeah, I think I think Tanner definitely benefited because you know, he's he's sadly missed, absolutely. Oh, yeah, yeah. And people can't talk about Tenter without talking about Hogan. No, true. Yeah, well, definitely Earthquake. 
I think mm. you, could, you, you know, uh, if you were talking about Golga, <laughs> well. I don't think anyone's talking about Golga and Hogan at the same time. But yeah, I think uh, those two, those two characters are definitely intertwined yeah. and interlinked. Definitely, yeah. Uh, right, next on the list, uh, Honky Tonk Man. The Honky Tonk Man. Now, now this is a bit of a surprise, I think. Do you? Are you seriously? Are you surprised by the honky tonk? Just based by like the shoots that he's done on YouTube in the past few years or so. <clears throat> I think you've got to take everything at that time. And yeah. if you listen to wrestlers now talk about what happened back then, they know they're on a shoot interview. They know they've got to come out with something salacious and you know, they may have fallen out, they may not be friends. Apparently, in all accounts, Les uh, Ed. Leslie and Hogan aren't friends anymore at the moment. Could change. I don't know. They might be now. I don't know. But by all accounts, they're not. But yeah, Honky Tonk, I think, right place, right time, definitely. Yeah. But I think he he would have been one of those guys that came with through Memphis and he knew him from Memphis and probably knew him from the AWA and, you know, had worked a bit with him and had come up and maybe just sort of like could just knew him, uh, you know, a bit more than, than everybody else really. But I'm going to quote from the honky tonk man. Uh, just McMahon wanted the belt in the towns because we ran a lot of towns. He needed that intercontinental belt to support main event matches. I just happened to walk by while he and Pat Patterson and Hogan were standing there talking about Butch Reed not being there. And Hogan looked and said, put the belt on this guy. And Vince looked around, sees me coming down there, through there in a white jumpsuit, looking like Elvis, baby. He looks at me and says, that's not a bad idea. Come here. So I think that's how they became friends. <laughs> right place, right time. Right place, right time, right gimmick. Um, have you ever seen the original debut of the Hoggy Tongue Man? I have not. Not, right? So he came in as a face. And he's a friend of Hogan, right? And he's a... I don't know how they ever thought this was going to work as a as a as a wrestling gimmick. I mean, that's another conversation for another day. How would this ever work possibly? But, um, yeah, so he came, he comes in as a face. Uh, he's, uh, you know, slapping fans' hands, kissing babies, being nice, he's nice. And over time, the fans just can't stand him. The fans do not like him and start booing him. Um, and then the WWE put out a sort of poll to say, Fans, write into us, give us your address so we can put you on our mailing list. But write into us and tell us if you like the Honky Tonk Man or not. And like something like a, a thousand people vote or 10,000 people vote in this, and all of them do not like the Honky Tonk Man. But they're telling this like on screen, they read out that, like, I think it's Jack Tunney reads out this letter to, to him and the results. And you can see the moment that Honky Tonk Man's heart breaks. <laughs> it's brilliant and then the next week he comes out and you've got to search this out now mate it's brilliant he does a promo and in the promo he says I am through slapping fans hands and kissing babies next week I'm going to be punching no I'm going to be slapping fans faces and punching babies That's why the man was a heel. He was punching babies. <laughs> I think, obviously, the most famous moment was 
the downfall, the end of the Honky Tonk Man when he lost that Intercontinental title and the manner in which he lost it. Yeah, that, that nothing says we are done with you. Quick, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like a 30 second job to the Ultimate Warrior. I don't care who it is, bring him down here. <laughs> oh, one of the biggest pops ever. One of, that's yeah. a big pop, that one. Uh, but yeah, um, just <laughs> we are done with you. And that was it, that was it for him. Then, after the Intercontinental title run, pretty much they were done with him. There was nothing much. He didn't go up the card like most people would after losing the Intercontinental Championship. And I don't think he ever had a run against Hogan, um, if I remember right. I don't, he had a big match against uh, Macho Man, Honky Tonk, but I don't think Honky and Hogan ever had a match. No, I think well, I can remember anyway. I would call it was a difficult, well, not difficult, but it was an odd era because they were just about to transition into the new era, weren't they? With yeah, like yeah. Brett, Sean, and everybody. So it was a bit yeah. of an awkward time, I think. But uh, the, the rock, the, the rock and roll wrestling era, wasn't it? The the Cindy Lauper yeah. TV era. So it was it was booming and everything was it was it was blowing up, but at the same time, it was all sort of focused on Hogan. I mean, he added the what the cartoon show. At the time. That's a, that's an interesting thing to look at as well. Who's in the cartoon show? Um, yeah. You know, uh, obviously you got Piper in there, but on on the good guys team uh, is Andre, Junkyard Dog, um, Jimmy Superfly Snooker. <laughs> I think the the thing with Andre though is everybody, even if you don't know wrestling, like oh, Hogan was Andre's bitch. Yes. Yes. The story of when they're on the flight and Andre just bounces cans off Hogan's head like the entire flight. That just that gives me life. That does just big bold Terry sitting there just like <clears throat> taking it. Take and the whole thing with WrestleMania three as well, where Hogan's like, Are we gonna do it then? Are we gonna do it then? He's like, I haven't decided yet, boss. Like <laughs> yeah. right up until the match itself. I'm like, oh Andre, we miss you. But you then you understand where Hogan got it from. Then uh, that doesn't work for me, brother. Uh, yeah, those kind of thing. That kind of thing. I think he, he learned a lot from Andre. Uh, I, I don't think they were particularly friends, but I think he learned a lot from Andre. But uh, yeah, Honky, I don't think ever really because he got to WCW. But Bischoff said, "Fuck off, lad." Uh, <laughs> I think straight away. I don't think. I think he may have gone on TV once, and that was it. Uh, yeah. He was he wasn't a big big fan, uh, Mr. Bischoff. Uh, uh, but speaking of which, that's next up on my list. Um, Eric Bischoff. Um, I think he has been. I think he stayed in the wrestling business and stayed re- relevant within the wrestling business through Hogan. Um, yeah. With not you know uh, take away his WWE run in the early two thousands. Everything else he's done in wrestling has always been with Hogan. Um, TNA run uh, that was awful. Uh, they ruined TNA, but at the same time, it was the funniest thing in the world. Like me and Rick, my mate Rick, we're, we're, we're sat there watching that episode. Going, what I want, you know, in, t- in anticipation, what's going to happen? Hogan's coming into TNA. Oh my god, what's is, are we going to have this? Are we going to have that? You know, they've got Desmond Wolf, they've got Samoa Joe. This is all this is all great at the moment. What's gonna happen? And we got the nasty boys 
Uh, we got Bubba the Love Sponge a lot. <laughs> and yeah, I can I can see why Eric and Hogan are friends because WCW had that awkward era where you, you had people like Luger come in. They brought in obviously the outsiders, which was interesting enough because you know a lot of people were still thinking, are they still with WWF? Have they really signed with WCW? And then that one night, that one night that changed everything, everything. and made everything. Vince McMahon probably literally shit out. <laughs> I think I think there was a point in the meeting where they were watching Bash at the Beach '96, and yeah. they've gone, "Oh my god, they've actually fucking done this! Holy shit!" But Holy shit. WWE never learned from that. Um, no. They had, oh man, John Cena is a heel. I know he sells the merch, he goes to the Make-A-Wish, he does all that shit, but that, I think that's what took them so long to turn Roman heel as well. Yeah, but at the same time, when they turned Roman heel, they knew, I, I, I think they had to turn Roman heel because they realised it was getting a bit more vitriolic than it was with Cena. Uh, you know, and uh, but because uh, that that raw after the uh, WrestleMania, I think thirty, uh, I could be wrong there. Um, where it's basically it opens with Roman Reigns in the ring, and the crowd just absolutely destroying him um, for a good 10-15 minutes. Uh, he doesn't get an, a, a word in edgeways. Uh, I think it would have carried on being like that a lot. Yeah. Uh, if they hadn't had done that, and it wasn't really like that with Cena, there was always the kids, the kids and the women were always on Cena's side, no matter what. Uh, and it's just the older males, <laughs> yeah, ourselves included, who couldn't stand John Cena. Um, yeah, and I've got very mixed feelings about Cena still to this day because of all that. I, I you know, when I watch a film with and he pops up in it or something like that, I just think, ah. Oh, I don't know if I like you, and I don't know if I can like you ever. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it, they're very parallel careers, aren't they? Like, you know, say your prayers, eat your vitamins, drink your milk, blah de blah de blah. Never give up. And I think, but, yeah, Cena's Cena had a lot more to lose. I think, like what you said, you know, it's basically just the older males who like can't stand him. And I yeah. think some kids genuinely would have been absolutely heartbroken. And I think if that happened, because he's such a, a believer in the business, I don't think he would have done half the maker wishes that he's done. No. Just no. because of his character. Yeah, I think he would have gone full kayfabe with it and, you know, uh, undertaken it up. And, uh, yeah, stopped doing the maker wishes in it. And it, it would have had a bit of a detrimental effect because they wouldn't have had anybody to replace him as the top face. Yeah. At that time, definitely not. I mean, no one likes Randy Orton. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if you've ever admitted to watching Total Divas. I have. I fucking love it. Like the earlier series. All oh, right. No, uh, to be fair, no, I, I have wanted to get into that just because I think if I watch that, my wife might watch it. <laughs> so that might secretly be a backdoor into wrestling for her, but it doesn't. See, obviously, it's like <laughs> reality TV. Yeah. But the way Cena comes across is just fucking hilarious. He's like, take your shoes off before entering my house. Don't come in this room alone and all this sort of thing. And I'm like, yeah, I think he's having a bit of a laugh here. 
It's not right, this lad. It's not right. But yeah, some of it's just incredible, like multi-million dollar house, obviously, and it's just like so anal and stuff. But when you see him in movies and like doing press for movies, yeah, I don't know, he seems quite like a nice, affable guy. But he's, he's just got that little mischievous about him. Yeah, um, uh, you know, when you see him doing um, promos in Chinese, uh, in Mandarin, like that's it's always a bit odd. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, just knock it out of the park. Like, I can't speak Mandarin. Well done to you, John, for learning that, mate, and, and being able to do that. But Jesus, lad, wind your neck in a bit, mate. Come on, you show, show them the rest. But of yeah, you. Bischoff. Um, but yeah, Bischoff. Yeah, Hogan's his goose that laid the golden egg, basically. Definitely. That night, that one single night that nobody thought would happen. It's like, oh, here he comes to save his pal. Oh, wait a second. Goosebumps, mate. Every time. And I don't care what anyone says. Bobby Heenan does not ruin that for me. You know, know, he he, he didn't ruin it at the time when I first saw it. And he still doesn't ruin it now, even now. So, yeah. I uh, wholeheartedly uh, love that moment. It's one of the greatest moments in wrestling. Uh, I mean, they came up with some dodgy stuff together, uh, but I think a lot of the decline of WCW was down to Bischoff. uh, But ultimately, you know, there was other factors, TNT and AOL merging, Time Warner, sorry, and AOL merging and and just them getting more wrestling all together. The head writer. And of course, yes, bro. Hey, bro, I got a superb idea, bro. Let's swear the audience, bro. Um, yes. Uh, yeah, I think they took I think they took the whole NWO thing way further than they should have gone. Yeah. And then it yeah. just descended into bullshit like the finger poker doom, like Garrett laying down for Hogan. Yeah. I'll tell you what, though, there was some excellent stuff towards the end of WCW. Uh, I think it's the greed pay-per-view. Uh, Scott Steiner comes out with a tiger. Yes. Actual, uh, that's, that's amazing. Just absolutely amazing visual. <laughs> They've gone back. That's the point we think. Yes, WCW have gone back to the Robocop days. Yes. yes. <laughs> I think probably down the line, if Hogan ever did anything in wrestling again, Bischoff wouldn't be far behind. No, definitely. I think, yeah, be it producing it with his mate Jason Hervey, the big brother from the Wonder Years. Uh, and, <laughs> and uh, yeah, he'd definitely be there. And speaking of people who would definitely be there, definitely would be there. Uh, our next uh, person, Jimmy the Mouth of the South Heart, seems to be this. This to me, when I first saw this, this was a bizarre combination. This was like Brian Nobbs was like, why are these two both together? Uh, but over time, I think it makes sense. He was actually. Hogan's manager, or he, yeah. uh, was uh, at one point. Um, I remember him being unveiled for WCW when he went did the big boom and he did the big thing in Disney World. And him and Jimmy Jimmy Hart sat in the back of this open top Corvette driving through Orlando Disney World. <laughs> confetti going everywhere. Mean Gene in the background shouting it. But as for his career, I don't think Hogan by the looks of it, anyway, didn't really play a massive part in Jerry, Jimmy Hart's career, really, I don't think. I don't think he played a massive part, like, in front of the cameras, but no. I think 
Jimmy Hart got a lot more pull backstage because of Hogan. You think? I think so, yeah. Because Jimmy Hart, a lot of the music from WCW is Jimmy Hart's. So, and a lot of the, you know, the uh, the, the rip-offs that he did of the Nirvanas and the Pearl Jams of the world. Yeah. Um, but, I, I mean, I've got a few quotes from Jimmy Hart, but they're, they're all... Uh, Nine paragraphs long. He doesn't really oh. like talking sound bites, does Jimmy? So <laughs> I've not really got any anything particularly great from Jimmy. But uh, he has been around him from what I've get, gathered. He's been around him a long time. He, he talks about him being seeing him in the Memphis and Jerry Lawler saying that guy will never work a dime, make it make a dime in this business. Uh, you were wrong there, I'm afraid, King. But uh, yeah, he, he made uh, he went on to make a lot. But yeah, he talks a lot about, you know, doing a lot of charity work and stuff like that. And I think he's just generally the mouthpiece for Hogan really these days, yeah. you know, or has been for a long time. Uh, I will I give you a quote here from Bobby Heenan about Hulk Hogan. Uh, the greatest worker in the world is Hulk Hogan. He can't do an arm drag. He can't head scissor you. He can't do all that. But he can put more asses in the seats than you've ever seen. And that's how I judge a person as a worker. That is a worker. What do you think about that? That's Bobby the Brain Heenan. I've got a lot of time for Bobby's opinions. And I guess he is kind of right. And I think that someone like Jim Ross would probably say the same thing about John Cena now. Yeah, definitely. 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 Like they, they they both were more about how they they presented themselves than how they actually worked in the ring. But you know the things like the big yeah. boot and you know the leg drop and everything absolutely iconic when it comes to Hogan. Yeah, I mean he claims it's one of the reasons he's gone from six foot seven to six foot four. <laughs> um, I'm probably true. There's a little bit of truth in that after all the surgeries he's had, no doubt. Um, but yeah, I think those two are Hogan's the you know the icon of the of the eighties, early uh, late eighties, early nineties, seen as that icon of the two thousands, really. Yeah. Uh, I, well, he takes the mantle in like two thousand four, two thousand five, and then just sort of runs with it. Um, so yeah, and they had you know in between them, it's interesting periods because in between them you've got lots. Of awesome guys, Brett, Sean, Austin, Rock, Foley, you know, Triple H. Yeah. The rise of those guys in between those two massive people. I think that period where Hogan formed the NWO was a sweet spot in pro wrestling. Yeah, definitely. Because you had the NWO on one side, you had Brett versus Sean on the other side. Later on, you had the big four of, you know, Austin, Triple H, The Rock, Mankind. Yeah. And you had that, obviously, that iconic moment, which the anniversary is coming up soon of, of uh, Raw taking over Nitro in the ratings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The end of the 83 weeks. And it literally yeah. was a case of, like, don't turn over because this is about to happen. And then everybody turned over. <laughs> it's it's just moments like that that you don't I mean I respect AEW I don't watch much of it because I think no. I've probably started too late but 
I would like them to be another legitimate rival to a corporation that's just basically got like complacent. You know, they've yeah. seen off TNA, they've seen off um, loads of, of of other companies as well. And I just want them to be worried again about. I know ratings don't matter much in the world of streaming and you know digital TV and stuff like that, but. You kind of had it to a point with NXT and um, AEW. I think it was Rampage that was on at the same time. Yeah. No, Dynamite. That was, Dynamite. Yeah, yeah, Dynamite, yeah. And that was a, an interesting sort of little battle. But I think Tony Khan's... He, he has brought a lot of, like, decent older talent in. I don't know, it's, it's different to compare the eras, but like you literally had big stars moving from WWE to WCW. Yeah. And at the time, obviously, because of the tapings and everything, it'd be they showed up on Nitro live yeah. and then still have a couple of weeks left on WWE TV. I want that that magic back between them two. I think I think we're gonna get there at some point. Uh, we've probably been there a little. We've touched on it because of the Dynamite versus NXT stuff, and the, you know Adam Cole switching from one side to the other, and people going from AEW to you know Cody, Cody Rhodes. Uh, yeah, the, the the one you know, major one that went back. Yeah, and that you never thought was going to happen. But after yeah. after that, um, I I remember reading his "I'm leaving WWE." email letter, whatever it was that he put out and thinking to myself, this guy is never going back to this company ever again. And then yeah. all of a sudden he starts up at AEW and think, right, Cody is never going back to WWE now. This is it. And then he had that sudden, magic run in the Indies, like in between. Oh yeah. It? Yeah. It was fantastic. It was it was some like when he was in uh New Japan and, and then yeah going around the world almost and, and competing in, you know, like I think he, where did I see him? We were, uh, Stockport. I saw him wrestling Stockport. Was that, <laughs> Cody, um, Cody was that the Culture one? Yes. The yes, 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 Rampage. Yes. Or it might have been uh, WCPW at the time. Yeah, 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 it was. It was. But it, it, yeah, it was, you know, to see Cody Rhodes and Stockport uh, crazy. But I mean, you know, I've, I've seen Yoko Zuna in Oldham uh, and he stood on my foot. So there you go. Making a day. <laughs> Amazing. I, I've got a couple of honourable mentions here. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Honourable ben mention, uh, Mr. T. Yeah. Uh, I think at the start it was uh, a more uh, uh, Hulk, Hulk Hogan used Mr. T uh, and the WWF used Mr. T to get their name out there, but uh, definitely when um, Hogan was in WCW, I think he brought Mr. T in thinking. This is going to make us some big bucks, and it didn't make them any bucks. <laughs> uh, for all I think that was that was a rare occasion where T was was the bigger star. Yeah, definitely. definitely. And he, he definitely elevated WWF. Yeah, definitely. Um, I don't know if they're friends or not, but we'll give him an honourable mention here. Uh, Macho Man Randy Savage. Uh, oh, the, the friends, enemies, frenemies. Uh, I think is more of a thing, but the, you can't you can't think of one without the other. To be fair, I think after that Dark Side of the Ring episode on Savage, or was it on Miss Elizabeth? I think it was on Miss Elizabeth. Yeah, both. Yeah, yeah. They they spent 
I think the, the, the focus was more on Linda and Elizabeth than yeah. Hulk and Randy. Yeah. See, but, she got yeah. the wrestler, she's had that wrestler, uh, wrestler's top bullshit thing happen yeah. to her as well, where she just talks bullshit. So you've got to take everything that Linda, Linda Hogan says with a grain of salt. I don't think they were great friends, but I think they definitely had some kind of begrudging type of mutual respect for each other because they couldn't make money without one another being in the company, basically. Yeah. Um, And we've already touched on the NWO a little bit, but yes, Scott Hall and Kevin Nash. I think those two need a bit of an honourable mention. I think Kevin Nash has said um, Hogan's one of the best people to work with in the business and he he loved working with him. But uh, I don't think those two needed much help off Hogan to uh, to get over, really. If anything, I think Hogan needed a bit of help off them, uh, and yeah. that's what happened. So I'll finish off, uh, we'll finish off with a quote from Diamond Dallas Page. Says, He's loyal to the people that are loyal to him, and in this business, there are only a handful of guys that are loyal to each other. It's a different world, man. How right you are, Mr. DDP, how right you are. Well, uh, so that was our discussion, uh, our first episode of Half the Brain. Um, our discussion of uh, Mr. Terry Funk, uh, not Terry Funk, Terry Bollea, a.k.a. Hulk Hogan. Uh, I've got Funk on the brain. Um, next time you join us, I've, uh, I, I, I've, I'm, I'm going to pick next month's topic and we'll, we'll do it now so you can, I'll, I'll get you prepared a little bit now. But I thought we would should go through the decades and pick the best and the worst music. So we'll, we'll start with the 80s. We'll then go to the 90s, 2000s, 2010s, and then end in 2020s. Uh, and we'll pick the best and the worst pay-per-view themes, TV themes, wrestlers intro music, etc., etc. And we'll talk about some of the best and worst wrestling music. Uh, but that'll be uh, next time on uh, Half the Brain. So what do you think I'd about like that? I'd like to suggest um, packages. Packages. You know, the um, the little vignettes on pay-per-views. Oh, mate. That's proof. Yes. Right, okay. So we'll do 80s music and packages, right? Yes. We'll do that. Yeah, so we'll pick some of the best music, some of the best packages, video promo packages, etc. Some of the worst as well uh, from the 80s. And we'll chat about that next time uh, on Half the Brain. If you want to get in touch with us, you can email us at pod at gmail.com um, and uh, we'll also be setting up a Facebook group and a Twitter page, no doubt, and all those kind of fun things. Uh, I'll get this edited together and we'll get this out and uh, it'll all be, all be lovely. So yeah, thank you very much for joining us uh, this meeting. Um, this meeting is adjourned. <laughs> yes hopefully we'll have the rest of the stable next time next time yeah and uh yeah well there'll, there'll be more of us and uh we'll get uh guests in as well and stuff like that and have a chat with people and um yes thank you for joining us hope you've enjoyed it uh see you next time see you later what is that driving
Action, action is 